going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Talking About? My name is Bob. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. If you're here looking for some March Madness, we have an entire different episode going up around the same time as this one that's devoted just to Selection Sunday. So if you're a March Madness fanatic like Chris and I are, definitely check that podcast out. But definitely stay with us because we are continuing our discussion about probably one of the craziest NFL off seasons we've had in a long time. And I wanted to open this one up with just a, a question to to fuel a little conversation with you, Chris. Um, you know, there's always a winner and loser list of the NFL off season, a couple teams that did really well, a couple teams that didn't do so hot. Uh, does winning the NFL off season, is that a good, a good thing? No, I don't think it necessarily is. Um, it depends on what team you're talking about. I, I don't think free agency is the best way to build a team. If you're trying to build a team through free agency, you're probably going to end up being a loser when it comes around. What I've found is that success in free agency usually comes from the teams who have already had success in the league. And the failures in free agency, the bad contracts, usually are teams who were already bad to begin with. I don't think free agency is an effective way to build your team for the long term because you are overpaying for talent that is already produced in the past. Mm -hmm. You're paying future money for past production and more importantly, you're paying a guy exactly what he's worth, but the teams that win in the NFL win because they are able to pay guys on value contracts or less than what they're actually worth. And the way you do that, to me, is through the draft. That's the most effective way to build a team. So to answer your question, I don't think winning free agency necessarily means that you've turned your team around. Absolutely. Building through the draft, also teams... Teams consciously let other let their players go sign big contracts on other teams in order to get those compensatory picks that are landing in the third, fourth, or fifth round, and they, they just replace them year in and year out. Uh, another thing that you said, you know, you you pay, you pay for past production, and then there are just a number of of risks that 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 come with the player. Is he a, a system guy? meaning he produces well in the system that he that he performed in is he a good fit for your system maybe you have a new head coach that doesn't really know what he's doing or doesn't have the time to integrate this guy into your roster is he chasing the money and once he gets paid is he gonna continue to sacrifice his body in what is the most violent sport we know and then building off of that there's a ton of injury risk you know these guys are getting older when they enter free agency they're going to break down at some point. Every football player does. Rarely does a guy play out the entirety of his free agent contract. Usually he gets cut or renegotiates within two or three years. Yeah, and look at the team that quote-unquote won free agency in 2013 when they signed Mike Wallace to a five-year, $60 million deal, the Miami Dolphins. They just traded that guy to the Vikings. Yeah. So he was one of their big winners a couple of season, off-seasons back, and after two years, he's no longer on the team. Now they're going after Nadam Kinsu. They signed him to a monster deal. We'll see what happens there. But yeah. you don't have to look too far back to find some some failures. And again, you know the Dolphins were a team that had not had a lot of success in the past. And it's not surprising that this guy didn't work out because he's going to a team that hasn't had that core built. When you look at the New England Patriots, 
Yeah, in 2007, they signed Adelius Thomas and Dante Stallworth. They traded for Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and then they went undefeated. But they'd already been and won to three Super Bowls. Yeah. They had Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. They had had a ton of success. I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that free agency was what turned them into a dominant team. It maybe made them a, took them the difference from a 12-win team to a 16-win team, sure. But the, you see the success coming from teams that already had success. Last year, they got Darrell Rivas on a quote-unquote value deal at $12 million that year, which yeah. isn't exactly a value contract, but they still got him. And they had tons, He was a big it, gem. It had tons of outs every year. They could pick up options or cut him without losing any cap. Right. And and so, but but then they win the Super Bowl. But again, he's going to a team that's had success. So yes, they won free agency. But was free agency really the reason they had success? I would say absolutely not. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are, and you draft quarterbacks. You can't find a quarterback in free agency. The two notable exceptions are, of course, Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning went to a team that actually went to the playoffs under Tim Tebow the year before and took him to the next level. Yeah. Drew Brees kind of reinvented the New Orleans franchise, so that obviously has been the most resounding success that I can remember in free agency of a subpar team getting a guy that changed their franchise. But how often does a guy like Drew Brees or Peyton Manning, or those elite-level quarterbacks, come available? Yeah, uh, you're, you're really uh, ho- you got a better chance at either drafting one late or uh, getting struck by lightning than hoping for that kind of scenario to come around. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think it gets back to, you know, free agency is fun for the fans to energize headlines and get a lot of attention to yourself. But at the same time, I don't see it as a long-term way, a viable way to build a franchise. I think it's best served for teams that are close and maybe are one player away like the Patriots were four straight years, not in the AFC title game. They went to three straight AFC title games, but in 2010 they were the number one seed. So they've been flirting with that Super Bowl for the last four years, and then they signed Darrell Revis, and he kind of helps put them over the edge. Yeah. That's what free agency is good for to me. And I think you see the Ravens and Patriots do it all the time. They'd much rather let their guys go and get those compensatory picks than overpay for guys absolutely i'm, I'm just going to read you a, a list published from nfl.com uh at the start of training camp in 2014 it's the uh top or teams that had the top off season from 2014 number one is the tampa bay buccaneers and this include wow. this includes drafts and trades and all that but uh tampa bay is picking number one overall in 2015 for those that don't know so you see how well winning free agency worked out for them number two was the chicago bears and we saw how well their 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 season went down not too well number three though the denver broncos because they already had a successful team a winning team that went to the super bowl and then they 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 bolstered the defense and they spent wisely on 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 win now contracts because they know peyton manning's getting older and and they went all in and that's what you're supposed to do. That's what the Indianapolis Colts seem to be doing because Andrew Luck's cap number is about to skyrocket in a couple of years. They're, they're going all in on some really smart deals. I'm going to read you another list. Uh, it's Bleacher Report's 25 best offseason moves from 2014. Number one is Darrell Revis going to the Patriots. And everybody, oh, I mean, of course. yeah, that was, everyone knew that was a genius move at the time, like just a perfect fit a guy that's one of the best cornerbacks going to one of the best teams in the league. Of course it's going to work out. Number two, though, 
Ben Tate to the Cleveland Browns. Wow. He, I did not like that signing when it happened. I can't believe that was number two. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it either, but it, it just it perfectly illustrates my point. He he was waived halfway through the season. He didn't even finish. I think he ended up playing for three different teams. He played for the Vikings and then the then the Steelers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. And then number three is Jairus Bird to the New Orleans Saints on $28 million guaranteed. He tore, he tore his uh, meniscus four games in. So he might not ever be the same player that they signed. I mean, how how do you well, recover right. from a meniscus tear? It it varies. Well, and, and well, and that that's an unfortunate one. The injuries are always unfortunate. Um, but you have to Browns you have to take it. In, <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course you have to take it into consideration. I mean, you can't just discount it. But it's always unfortunate when a guy signs a huge contract and has been a stable force like LaCharles Bentley was, and then he tears his ACL on the first day of non-contact training camp. Oh, for sure, yeah. That I mean, that that it happens too often than not for the Cleveland Browns. That That's a perfect yeah. illustration. But, you know, injury, not it, going to a team that has no idea how to use their player, what they're doing, that's not – those aren't the ideal ways to, to, to build a winning team. And free agency, it's – I mean, yeah, people are just – throwing cash at these guys because they're so good but few of them are going to live up to the deals especially these big money deals and Dominican Sue comes to mind like there's no way he's going to perform to that level for the entirety of that contract oh oh, certainly and and I think that even if he does at best it's a break-even situation there's no way he's going to outperform that contract so you're just hoping that he can live up to it you're not even hoping for him to outperform it so when your best result is a tie. I mean, it's really a lose-lose situation when you have to pay big money for these kind of guys. Um, yeah, and, and getting back to the draft, you look at the teams we all talked about. The Denver Broncos, look at Seattle Seahawks, look at the Colts. They have these really high-value guys on rookie deals. They're low contracts. Yep. And that's how you win in the NFL. Now, the Broncos and the Seahawks are about to get up against it because their their rookies are about to be asking for more money. But that's why you have to constantly be drafting well so you can replenish those high-value deals with new high-value deals to take the place of some of the core guys that they're going to have to sign, like Richard Sherman, like Russell Wilson, like Andrew Luck, um, like a bunch of guys on Denver, Demarius Thomas. They had to let Julius Thomas go this year, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute here. Mm -hmm. But... You know, the point I'm making here, if you want to build for the long term, you find your foundation in the draft because high-level quarterbacks do not come available in free agency. I think Josh McCown was arguably the best quarterback available this year. He is not going to change your franchise. Sorry, yeah. Cleveland, it's not happening. I think most fans realize that too. But the point I'm making is you, you go all in on these big guys. If you're not a good team, I don't think it's going to change your fortunes that much. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. We're in agreement on this one. Uh, so that makes me feel a little bit better because our Cleveland Browns are getting a lot of flack for not spending. And I think, I honestly, I, I don't understand why because, you know, it's never good to spend, to put all your money on one free agency class. No, I actually liked that they got Brian Hartline. I thought that was a real good signing oh, yeah, me for too. them. And the only guy I kind of wish they would have kept is Jabal Sheard. But I think they were misusing him a little bit in the 3-4. He's more of a 4-3 guy. 
But other than that, I, I'm not crying over any of the guys I lost. Uh, we're about to talk about uh, Buster Screen, who that's going to be interesting in New York. Yeah, that's just going to be real interesting. Yeah, you you want to just you want to jump and just talk about New yeah, York? Yeah, let's just dive right into the Jets. I mean, you know, they signed three corners to a combined 127 million dollars. <laughs> Revis, Darrell Revis, that is, uh, Antonio Cromartie, and Buster Screen are making an average of $22 million per year for the next four years. Revis's deal is five. Wow, that is a lot of money to dedicate to three corners. And last I checked, there were only two starting corners. So yeah. you're paying a lot of money for a nickel guy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Buster Screen is the ideal fit for a nickel corner, but you're paying him starter money. You're paying him well over starter money, and he has to be one of the most highest-paid nickel corners in the game now. Uh, also, interestingly, D. Milner was their top ten pick in the twenty yeah. thirteen draft. He's a dime cornerback now. Or are you giving up on him? <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't get that at all. I, I think they went a little overboard. I understand going after Revis, him oh, yeah. being from New York. And he's still an elite-level player. I kind of understand even maybe going after Buster Screen or Cromartie, like one of the two, but why did they have to sign three of these guys? I don't understand why they went overkill there. Because you're right, you mentioned D. Milner. He was the guy they they traded for Revis. They traded the pick they got for Revis originally, became D. Milner. And... And now what? I mean, he's going to play in your dime package? I mean, what what, what are they going to do with him? They're just going to write him off? I, I don't understand why they went overkill there. I think they committed too much money to the, to one position. Twenty two million dollars. It's close to you know twenty percent of your cap. I guess around that that number. Yeah. I think the cap's hovering around one hundred twenty million or so. But that's a lot of money. Yeah. A lot of money. Spending on Darrell Revis, any team can do that, and I think it would be a good move because he's he's a lockdown guy. He's he's still a top five corner, right. and you can leave him on the island. Antonio Cromartie was his counterpart last time he was with the Jets, but Cromartie's 32 now, and you have on the, him on the book for four years. He didn't really have a good year last year. Uh, yeah, that one. that's when they, they jumped the shark for me because I thought they made a good move in trading for Brandon Marshall with just a fifth-round pick. I like, the, right. I like the addition of Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think he's a good spot-starting quarterback right. that can bridge the gap between whoever is your guy. I mean, obviously, that's the big question. Who is your guy? Who's your quarterback? Yeah. But I actually think they're going to draft a guy. I think yeah, that they're going to use that number six pick kind of guy. Me too. But then you just you just start dumping cash in the cornerback position, a position that you can always draft somebody to, to fill a role, especially to be your nickel guy. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. I just felt like getting Revis and Screen. Screen's still a young player. That's good enough. Screen showed a lot of promise at the number two corner next to Joe Hayden this year. And he's not a guy I cried that 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 left the Browns, but I, I certainly think that he's a uh, a good player. And so I don't know. I, I just think that they went a little overboard at that position, and uh, we'll we'll see. But I, I don't know why they couldn't just sign two of them and, and maybe draft another guy for depth and, and keep Milner and and see if he can thrive. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of spending too much at a certain position, uh, let's move oh, to man. another city. There is a strange storm brewing in Philadelphia. I don't, <laughs> you know, nobody knew when, when Chip Kelly came into the league as a coach, as an offensive college genius, nobody knew what it was going to look like. 
and everyone was excited to see what this offense was going to look like. I remember watching them in preseason. It was a primetime game. It was exciting to watch. And this is yeah. Chip Kelly's first year where he has personnel control and still nobody knows what he's doing. I don't think he knows what he's doing. I Each move has no real end game to it. Now the off season isn't done. The draft isn't done. So he can, he can, he can pull out a Chip Kelly miracle, but if it weren't for Chip Kelly being a respected coach, this team would be a laughing stock right now. <laughs> like if the could you imagine if if our hometown Cleveland Browns or if the Jaguars made these moves, letting oh, letting yeah, Jeremy Macklin be... go, trading away Nick Foles? <laughs> it'd be crazy. Yeah, they would. Just... Well, first off, um, let's let's kind of just say that um, I, I did some some math here. Okay. <laughs> okay. And. The cap of Murray, Matthews, Kiko Alonso, and Walter Thurman this year combined for $11 million. Is, this year. Did you not count McCoy Byron Maxwell? On, oh, no, no. I'm just, I, I just, no, no, no. I'm just adding up a couple guys. Okay. I, 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 didn't, okay. I didn't count Byron Maxwell on that. But LaShawn McCoy was making $11.8 million. So they essentially replaced LaShawn McCoy with those four guys. But what. This doesn't say is DeMarco Murray will balloon to an $8 million cap number next year. Mm-hmm. Ryan Matthews will balloon to a $4 million cap number next year. So next year, you're paying $12 million for two running backs. Yeah. That's a lot of money. The They have three of the 15 highest paid running backs on their roster in the league. Yeah. And yeah. they're outspending all of their teams by $6 million on the running back position. Number two is the Minnesota Vikings, where I think 10 of the $12 million owed to running backs is just going straight to Adrian Peterson. Yep. And that, no, you don't do that. <laughs> why, <laughs> why in 2015 do we not understand that running backs aren't, are going to break down? They're not worth the money. You can draft a running back so easily, especially a system that Chip Kelly has. There has to be a guy in this draft right. that he likes. Of all the systems to produce a running back, you would think Chip Kelly. How many times in Oregon did we say the Oregon running back, insert name here, is going to be great in the NFL, and he never was Yeah. when Chip Kelly was there? Of all the systems in the world, why would you ever pay big money for these running backs when he could draft three of them and probably plug them in? Look at the Cleveland Browns. Let's go back to that. In 2013, the Cleveland Browns run game was a laughing stock. They drafted mm-hmm. a guy in the second round named uh, Bentonio, left guard. And right. all of a sudden, now you have a late-round draft pick in Terrence West and Isaiah Crowell tearing up the league. Well, maybe not tearing up the league, but doing very, very good. No, they, they and, had a great year together. Yeah, it's exponential improvement. You want to build up your running game draft offensive linemen and build that up and plug them in. Absolutely. And I mean, that's you why, look at some of the big... That's how DeMarco Murray succeeded last year. I mean, first off, he right. finally played 16 games, which he's never done before. But exactly, they spent that's a fir- another big red flag. They spent a first-round pick on Martin, who's who turned out to be a Pro Bowl center, and the offensive line was completely healthy the entire year. That's why he was successful. Right. Speaking of DeMar- and oh, go ahead. Furthermore, let's talk about Adrian Peterson, since we mentioned him. The year he had his uh, MVP season, they drafted a guy number three overall, Matt Khalil. Yeah, exactly. You want to build up your running game, build up your offensive line. Excuse me, I believe he was four overall. They traded back, and Richardson was three overall. My bad. Yeah, that's okay. But either way. Don't remind us about that trade. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of DeMarco Murray, I mean, 
This is a guy that if you add in the playoffs and combine his carries with his catches, he touched the ball last year 497 times. That's a lot. Yeah, that's almost, I mean, 500, 500 touches is ridiculous. There's a mythical number called 370. It's the curse of 370 for running backs where it, it's the idea it's an event horizon where if you pass that, uh, your stats are just going to plummet the next year just because you're so worn down. He exceeded that by 127 touches. There's absolutely no way he's going to live anywhere near to that contract that he got paid. And I don't, I mean, why would you trade away LaShawn McCoy for, for DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews, both of which have only played a 16 game season once in their entire career each. Well, and we talked about last week how we actually liked the LaShawn McCoy trade because you're trading a guy who's making $11.8 million for an impact linebacker who was coming off the torn ACL is still, uh, but he's only making $785,000. Yeah. That's a huge, huge value play. But then they go and take all that cap space and invest it in Murray and Matthews, and I don't understand. I, I just don't understand. Yeah. And then, all right, the flip side of the coin. They signed Byron Maxwell. He's now the fifth highest paid cornerback in the league. Yeah. We're talking about the not even the first cast off of the Legion of Boom, who's Brandon Browner, who's actually a really good player. Byron Maxwell right. was the second one. And he's he's not he's not I, I saw him described on Grantland as the non voting member of the Legion of Boom. Because he I mean, <laughs> he's got he's got decent size at six one, but I mean he hasn't he hasn't started a whole season in the league. He's, he's, he's not a proven entity, and now he's your number one corner, and you're paying him that kind of money. They're, they're just mind-boggling to me. And I, I, well, <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to the icing on the cake. Oh, the, the trade. <laughs> oh, my, I forgot about the trade. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck was going on with that? I don't understand why Chip Kelly thought, first off, I didn't think Nick Foles would live up to his first year in the league. Oh, yeah. Because his production was unreal. But I don't think he's as bad as last year. I think things kind of fell apart and he got hurt. Mm-hmm. You're trading a guy who was set to make $1.34 million next year before becoming a free agent. Very, very solid contract for a quarterback. For a guy who's going to make $13 million next year, and who, speaking of injuries, hasn't played a full season in forever. I don't think he has ever played a full season. Maybe I think his rookie year he played the most. I think I think his sophomore year he played all sixteen games, and yeah. then he he's he's gone through two ACL tears the last two years. So yeah, he hasn't thrown the ball in a regular season game since mid two thousand thirteen. That is the worst contract in all of football, by the way. That thirteen—that's the last crazy draft contract. That thirteen million dollars yeah. Sam Bradford contract. Yeah. And I just don't understand why you thought that he was better than Foles when you still re-signed Mark Sanchez, who performed well in that system and is a great safe backup. Why not stick with Foles and see if he's the franchise guy? at a value contract and invest that extra 12 million or so elsewhere. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you let Jeremy Macklin walk for about $11 million. You could have had yeah, him. Exactly. I, I'd rather have Foles, Foles, Sanchez and Macklin than, than Sam Bradford. Absolutely. Bradford. And, and, 
is not. And it's nothing against Bradford. He has all the talent in the world, but he just gets hurt all the time. Absolutely. And in terms of play style, I mean, this is one part the player, another part coaching and personnel around him, but Bradford doesn't throw downfield. And if you watch the Eagles offense, Sanchez and Foles, they throw downfield a lot and they succeed at it. You don't, I mean, there's not even a sample size to know if Bradford can do that. Obviously, he was drafted or number if he one can overall. anymore because of all his injuries. Oh, for sure, yeah. It's it, the Eagles are in in what are you talk? What are you thinking, land? Yes, yes. I have no idea what's going on there. No, ne- neither do and I. And I feel like Chip Kelly is a kid who finally got to go into the candy shop with an unlimited budget. Yes, and it's just like. Sucking it all in. Yeah, he's like, imagine... Because he has full control of that franchise. He's just doing anything he wants. Yeah, he's going to have a three running back uh, formation. That's going to be the first play of the season. He's going to have all three of those guys out there. Uh, We'll see. Can you believe a a, a team also supposedly offered him a first-round pick for Bradford, and he refused? Right, that's what gets me. How do you turn that trade down? Yeah, I... I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I, th- I, I kind of don't it believe it either. Because how do you not pull the trigger on that? The only thing I will say is, though, there were reports about the Browns trying to trade for Bad- Bradford with St. Louis, and the Browns do have two first-round picks, so that would make sense. But I don't believe it because I don't see how you turn that offer down. Yeah. No. I'd- but, hey. Good luck. Good luck. You know, to him. One way to prove everyone right is win, and if the Eagles win, then it'll all be for naught. But very true. We'll see. All right, let's go to a team that we like. Yeah, a very intriguing team though was the Colts. Yeah. On the verge of the uh, Super Bowl, they made some uh, interesting moves, and in I, I think they made some solid moves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I Trent Cole. I think he'll give them some good pass rush. Uh, but right. the additions of Gore and Johnson, I mean, they have not had a running game since Andrew Luck has come into the league. And right. like we said, if you really want to fix that, beef up your offensive line, and hopefully they do that in the draft this year. But Frank Gore is a, is a great running back. Even though he's 32, he's shown amazing uh, durability. He's a one-cut back. Uh, Andrew Luck needs some relief because he can't throw 50 times a game every game right. and expect to win. On top of that, Andre Johnson, he's still got something left. And you have T.Y. Hilton stretching downfield. Now you have a big target on the other side. I I like those two moves a lot. And they're affordable two-year deals. Yeah, the Colts, they're kind of doing what the Broncos did last year and offering these veterans intriguing deals to play with a really good quarterback. And I think they're definitely going to benefit from both those moves. Yeah, the key with Andre Johnson is health. Uh, he has not been the most durable. But other than that, I think Trent Cole has held up fine, and, and he has solid numbers. And, and same with Frank Gore. Frank Gore still has. I mean, he's 32 years old, and uh, everyone keeps waiting for that wall to crash into him, and he just keeps plowing through it. And so I do agree with you, though. I think the Colts do need to beef up the offensive line if they want to improve their running attack. I also think one area they really need to address is something that dates back to even when Manning was playing with them is their run defense. The New England Patriots gash them every year. Yes. I mean, they're not the only ones, but over the last couple of years, it's been the most profound of them all. 
if they're going to take it to the next level, uh, they're going to have to do something about that run defense sooner or later. I would imagine they'd address that in the draft somehow. Because at this point, it would be hard to do it any other way. Yeah, work on that defense isn't done. They have a pretty decent secondary, like a kind of uh, band together and make it work. But yeah, that that run defense, the the run game in general on both sides needed improving. And I think they they definitely f- helped fixing it, fix the offensive side. But yeah, they need to to do some more moves, some some more work. Vince Wilfork, he's still out there. Yeah, uh, report. They're saying he's considering a return to the Patriots. Oh, okay. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, if he comes back. But the big shakeup, though, was Seattle Seahawks really rocked the NFL when they traded for Jimmy Graham. Yeah. I think this could be the kind of move that, I mean, we talked about contending teams capitalizing on a window. This is, certainly fits that bill. Uh, going to back-to-back Super Bowls, coming insanely close to winning one. There was a meme on the internet after Jimmy Graham signed with Pete Carroll saying Jimmy Graham would have caught that pass. So <laughs> it's kind of funny. But, I mean, Jimmy Graham is, uh, him and Gronkowski, I think, have a lockdown on the top two tight ends. They add an elite passing option to that offense that's already pretty sweet. They, re- they brought back Marshawn Lynch, mm-hmm. who... Uh, may have had a situation off the field. Uh, still some details about that mm-hmm. uh, trying to come to light. So we won't talk about that yet until we know more. But, but yeah, I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, they've got a great foundation, and now they're adding a big playmaker. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first-round draft pick was, was big, but also, I mean, they had to give up Max Unger, who is a two-time Pro Bowler. He hadn't, didn't have the best year last year, but he's, he was their starting center um we'll see how that affects them but yeah jimmy graham man i I watched the seahawks a lot last year and they love to run the seam routes with their tight ends and nobody runs the seam route better than jimmy graham uh that it's that's an uh, unstoppable three-headed monster between the read option and then uh, the play action fake with a jimmy graham down a seam route that that that's scary and then the defense is is gonna do what they do Uh, yeah the seahawks are all in and and why wouldn't you be? I mean, the rich get richer. They're looking around their division. They're seeing teams get weaker. Capitalize on the window. If they win that division, they have at least one home game. And if they do what they've done the last couple of years, the road to the Super Bowl get through Seattle, we obviously know it's hard to win there. Yeah, I mean, they could easily get to their third straight Super Bowl. I mean, well, I'm not going to pick it right now. But I could. they're definitely going to be in the mix. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I love the trade. I think... Yeah, it's it, it was the right move. It, it wasn't right two years ago to trade a first rounder for Percy Harvin, but trading that pick for Jimmy Graham is is worth it for sure. Definitely. And then you flip it over to the Saints. What are they kind of doing? They also traded Kenny Stills, who was a promising young receiver, kind of giving get, get, giving up on two of uh, Drew Brees's uh, targets. Kenny Stills, Jimmy Graham, more of a big target than Kenny Stills, but Stills has shown promise in that offense. Yeah, that, that was puzzling, but they did take Brandon Cooks in the first round last year, a first-round wide receiver. So, I mean, Kenny Stills, the the wide receiving core, other than Graham, was just kind of, you know, player of the week between Colston, Stills, uh, Cooks. It, it was just kind of who Br- Drew Brees liked and who the defense was giving him. I do like the C.J. Spiller move. Obviously, health is an issue, but... 
he's the perfect kind of receiving speed back that that the Saints like. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know. Certainly I don't know what they're doing. Could. Yeah, CJ Spiller would fit, fits very well with what Sean Payton likes out of a running back. They also signed Brandon Browner, so. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, they kind of gave up some targets, but on the other hand, when you have Drew Brees, I think that that receiving targets are replaceable. And, uh, you know, they just committed some money to a running back, but I think Spiller's a little more value than than some of the other guys we mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's to be determined, I guess. Uh, We'll we'll see if the Saints can just bounce back in general after what was a very down year from them. Yeah, absolutely. There are rumors that Brees might be on his way out, but I'll, I'll believe that when I see it. I think they're all in for another ah. year. Well, first off, if they trade Drew Brees, then that's just that's just kind of crazy in my mind. I, I'd say you ride Drew Brees until he retires because yep. as long as he's on your team, you can build up a contender. If you don't, you're just kick-starting the rebuilding process early, and it's going to be a long 2015 if they don't have Drew Brees. Yeah, no, for sure. Take it from Browns fans who haven't had a quarterback since – Browns return to the league, so yeah, you don't want to trade Drew Brees New Orleans. No, trust no me. sir. So what do you, what do you think? Speaking of Cleveland, and sorry if this is Cleveland centric, but what do you think about Jordan Cameron and and what that went down the other day with the reported deal that he was coming back to Cleveland, and then his agent turning that deal around to get the same exact deal with Miami? Well, I think. First off, it's a caution against reports. Not that I um, said that anyone who was reporting it did anything wrong, but I do think that there are other motivations when things get leaked sometimes uh, to kind of leverage a report into another deal or leverage a situation into another deal. So whether or not he had a verbal agreement with the Cleveland Browns is more going to be of a he said, he said, or whatnot. He's denied it and things like that. I don't think, I mean, I don't think it was as bad. Some people are comparing it to the Carlos Boozer situation. I don't think it was nearly as that bad. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Carlos Boozer allegedly had a true verbal handshake deal with the owner and then backed out and got kind of ugly in Cleveland. Signed a big deal uh, with Utah. But, yeah. But in the end, this is way back after LeBron's rookie year, so it's a long time ago. Yeah. But I, I don't think this is anywhere near that level. I just think Jordan Cameron and his agent and his people were just trying to leverage a better deal, and, and kudos to them, they did. And he's in Miami now. If he can stay healthy, he'll be an excellent target for uh, Ryan Tannehill, and he'll add a lot to that offense, as will Kenny Stills, who they acquired. But And we already talked uh, to Sue on our last podcast but they traded Mike Wallace to the Minnesota Vikings, which was, and they also let Brian Hartline go to go sign with Cleveland, mm-hmm. which kind of a head scratcher to me. Mike Wallace, I, I mean, knew I knew it was gonna happen because the reports it, it seemed kind of clear that they were shopping him, but I don't know why they trade such a, a guy who I thought's been pretty top target down in Miami. Yeah, his first year there was 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 a mixed bag, but last year he had a really good year, a really underrated year, yeah. and and turned himself into more of like a, a a pass catcher, not just like the home run threat that he was in in Pittsburgh. I think Ryan Tannehill is gonna miss that, and replacing him with Jordan Cameron could work out. Jordan Cameron ha- has some concussion issues though. If if he gets hit again, he he's gone, and I I don't that that's that's a risky move but uh, I hope it pays off I hope he stays healthy 
but Jordan Cameron, man, why do you have to why do you have to pick on the the dork? You know, why do you have to do us dirty like that and, and embarrass us in front of the <laughs> the whole nation like that? Like, just sign your deal in Miami. Don't don't. I mean, it's just that kind of stung me a little bit. I, I it didn't make me yeah. too happy that you know he would use us of all teams to to leverage another deal. It doesn't surprise me because. Well, I mean, he was negotiating with us, and yeah, I it, look, man, it, nothing shocks me anymore when it comes to these things. I was burned when Jim Tomei left Cleveland, and I was little then, a little older than I am now, so didn't understand the ways of the world. Yeah, then in, in terms of kinda, in terms of free agents, in terms of free agents leaving Cleveland for greener pastures, this is like a blip on the radar, but still, yeah. I mean, he had to, you know twist the knife a little bit as he walked out the door. That wasn't nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, it could have been handled better, I guess. But at the same time, I don't know. I I just don't see it as an egregious thing to leverage one team to try to get a better situation from another. He is a free agent. It's not like he signed something and then backed out. Or at least I don't think there was a handshake deal. I think it was just a report that they had a deal. Yeah. Um, So... I don't think it was that bad. Yeah. But going back uh get back west, San Francisco 49ers have had a very interesting offseason. Yeah. They signed Torrey Smith and Reggie Bush. They uh reportedly have cut Steven Stevie Johnson. I think he has been cut now cuz I thought the Patriots were taking a look at him. Yeah, he's cut. So interesting to say the least. The 49ers. I I don't know what to make of them next year. I'm not I they had a really weird year last year. They fired a coach, or excuse me, mutually part ways, with a coach <laughs> who had led them to three straight NFC championship games and still went 8-8 eight and eight in their down year. I, I don't really know what they're trying to do, to be honest with you. Yeah, this is probably the year they're expecting to just hand the keys to Kaepernick and let him lead them, but he's not in that place. And I do like Reggie Bush and what he would have done with Jim Harbaugh's 49ers, but I have no idea what this 49ers team is going to look like offensively. It's a new coach. I mean, Harbaugh had a really intricate, interesting system with those guys. Torrey Smith, a good deep threat. Um, if they re-sign Crabtree, that, that could be a good combination, but I'm more concerned about the defensive side. Navarro Bowman didn't play last year due to a torn ACL. Patrick Willis retired. And Justin Smith also retired their defensive end. What was their their rock was having three all pro linebackers and unquestionably the best linebacking core in all of the NFL. Now they're just question marks all over that. Alden Smith, his his personal issues have been well documented. I mean, Chris Borland there was a rookie that stepped in and, and played really nicely for them, middle linebacker, but he's no Bowman and he's definitely no Willis. Uh, this is going to be a really different 49ers, and I'm thinking it's going to be a down year for sure. Well, yeah, I mean, they're definitely trending down, in, in my opinion. And like you said, defense is where they hung their hat. And last year, with all their injuries and off-field situations, it definitely took a big step back. And if that's a preview of things to come, I don't like where things are heading for San Francisco. Uh, maybe Jim Harbaugh kind of saw some of this coming too. I don't know. Yeah. But that's just speculation i think there's there's a lot of other things there as to why jim harbaugh left i just don't think they wanted him or whatever 
But yeah, yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be. Uh, I mean, right now you gotta look at it as they're, they're they're trending down. But hey, we'll see what happens in August and September when they actually start playing games. And uh, you know, teams always surprise. And if games were played on paper, there would be a lot more paper champions. Yeah. So we'll see if San Francisco can uh, overcome some of these. Uh, this adversity, but you're right. They lose a lot of talent on defense. I don't know how they're going to replace that overnight unless they hit hit a big draft pick or something. Yeah, Patrick Willis is now only the second player in NFL history to be named to seven All-Pro teams, not the Pro Bowl, the All-Pro team, and not play a single game past the age of 30. Jim Brown's the only yeah. other guy. So, yeah, they're definitely going to miss him. And I'm, I'm happy that he got out while he did because, you know, Knowing his story, the the life that he that he came from, uh, it's time for him to actually have a life outside of football. And well, I'm just surprised more guys don't retire before the age of thirty because this football is just a brutal game. I mean, you see what happens to a lot of these veterans after they leave it. I, I'm surprised that people just don't cash out earlier and yeah. live on their seven eight figures and 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 try to keep their health as much intact as possible. Yeah, I think we're seeing a little bit more of it, but I mean, that's a lot of money you're leaving on the table to just for oh, a certainly. couple more years and yeah, it'll be interesting. I think I think that's a trend that is only going to get a little bit more popular as the years go on. And as Cleveland Browns fans, I am certainly glad that they won't have to face Veloti Nada for two games a year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially considering they could have drafted him and all that stuff, but we won't get on that. Oh, yeah. Uh, no. yeah, that was a good trade for the Lions. I mean, they had to do something to replace Sue and potentially Nick Fairley. Oh, well, Nick Fairley's with the Rams now. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's with the Rams now. That, that defensive line. Nah, that defense is on the up. We're talking about a defense that was on the that decline. That defense is on the up. The Rams could, could definitely be a team to watch next year if Nick Foles regains his pre-2014 form or even somewhere in the middle because uh, that team has always just been a quarterback away. They got some good skill guys, a sickly defense. Yeah, you might want to watch out for the Rams. For sure. Yeah, I, I, that defensive line, that's that's going to be really fun to watch. Man. So, but, yeah, I like that not a trade. That, I mean, yeah, like I said, the Lions, they need to do something. Yeah, I think we covered most of it, uh, and what we didn't cover here, we probably covered in our last podcast, uh, talked a little bit about some of the moves that were already made. It's kind of a crazy time in the NFL, but NBA free agency in 2017 is going to be ridiculous if this no-smoothing proposal is actually what's going to happen. There's still time to negotiate, but allegedly the i mean not allegedly the players union had rejected this uh, smoothing proposal and for those of you who don't know the background is uh the nba just signed a humongous deal new television deal to uh inject a lot of new revenue into its stream long story short that will affect the salary cap and the smoothing proposal is a gradual increase year by year to prevent teams from having ginormous cap space all at once well, obviously, the NBA Players Union doesn't want that. They want their teams to have ginormous cap space all at once. And it's projected to get to 85 or even $95 million per yeah. team. To put this in perspective, I think the luxury tax threshold right now is like around $72 million. Yeah. So we're talking like 20 to $25 million more in money 
that they're just going to have. And teams who are over the cap now will be under it. And, oh, by the way, Kevin Durant's going to be a free agent that year. And, oh, by the way, LeBron James signed that two-year deal last year because he saw this coming, too. Yeah. This is going to be insane. Yeah, it's it's going to be insane. And I don't know. I mean, the players that are in power are the ones that are going to get huge paydays. But if you're if you're a veteran, I don't know if I, if I would appreciate – like, say you signed a four-year deal now. By the time you hit free agency, everyone's going to be capped out because they just went hog wild those first two years. Um, I don't know. The smoothing idea, I get it, and I get why the players uh, declined it because, I mean, they want as much money as possible, but oh, of um, course. I, don't, I don't know. It, what, this, what this shows for me is that there's, there's a storm brewing, and that's going to be a lockout in, I think, 2018 is – or tw- the I actually think they can opt out in 2017. I think that's the year they can opt out. Yeah, it's coming. There's going to be a, a lockout. Oh, There's going to well, be a huge well, First battle. off, the players are very mad at that contract because those whole negotiations, the owners were talking about how they were losing money. And then a year later, these franchises in Milwaukee are selling for ridiculous numbers. Before the Clippers went for $2 billion, Milwaukee sold for ridiculous numbers. Yeah. And the players like, wait, wait a second. You guys are losing money? Um, why are you guys lining up to pay $2 billion for the Clippers if you're losing money? This is not cool. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. There is a storm brewing, and it's coming. And this smoothing thing is just one way for the players to say, no, we're not leaving any money on the table. There, there is there's a, a bit of a divide here. Not a bit, a big divide here. Absolutely. And there's going to be another lockout, and it's probably going to be worse than, than the last one unless Adam Silver can be super commish, which everyone seems everyone's talking up Adam Silver. If he can use his superpowers to kind of figure something out beforehand, we'll see. But I don't know. I just think the players are they're not happy and they certainly want to get they want a better system. Yeah, absolutely. I mean the cap could potentially increase by twenty million dollars and then in terms of a lockout if they negotiate if they want a better deal, a better slice of the pie then we're talking about potentially 30 or 40 million dollars in extra cap space in the next few years that's a ton of money and yeah it's going to be a, a, a bloody battle absolutely well i would think that if they're going to get a better deal in terms of revenue pie that they would have to give smoothing as a chip you know what i mean like if, if yeah. the owners give up some of the revenue pie then they would have to bend on the smoothing issue because i, I don't see how you can raise the cap competitively by 30 or 40 million dollars and still you know satisfy everyone yeah you know what i mean yeah. because at some point the competitiveness of the league has to come into play here as a fan i don't think the smoothing thing i, I like the smoothing idea because i think it's a fair way to distribute the money yeah but i completely understand where the players are coming from here they want more money and i i honestly don't blame them yeah the i mean under the smoothing policy the union would also all the player members of the union would get like an annual check like a payout from that as well so it's not it's not just like that they're gradually increasing it they're also paying them outside of the cap as well um yeah it's it's really hard to be selfless when you're talking about millions of dollars on the table and you know nobody nobody wants to give in the veterans don't want to give in the rookies the superstars, the owners. Yeah. I'd- oh, no, yeah. 
I mean, it's easy to look at it one way and say, well, you're already making a ton of money. But when you're talking about differences of $10 million, I mean, these are numbers that I can't even comprehend. I mean, I balance a checkbook. I don't see that many zeros. You know? <laughs> I, I just, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. I can't imagine what would go through my mind if those were the stakes. And, and yeah, I mean, you got to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. And that's a lot of money we're talking about. And and I can and I understand that the NBA players, they don't like being restricted by their maximum contracts. They look over at baseball and see these guys getting paid Boku bucks. And and they have it better than the NFL, but I think that there's always kind of an eye towards baseball saying, Hey, you know, why can't we be paid like them? Because yeah. NBA, the stars have more of an impact than any other sport. I understand why these guys feel that they deserve to be paid more money than some of their other um, professional peers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you think, uh, how much will LeBron make that year, do you think? Well, it depends on the maximum contract, but he's going to sign the biggest one possible. And he's going to make a lot of money. I I can't possibly quantify it because I don't know what formula they'll use to determine what his maximum salary will be, but... It'll be more than what he's making now. I think it's around 20, 21 mil now. He'll probably be up in the 25, 28, maybe even 30. He might be a $30 million player. I don't he's know. He's going to Kobe the Cavs. That's my prediction, my outlook of the future. I hope he Kobe's the Cavs because that means he'd win five titles for the Cavs. So bring it on, LeBron. He's gonna, Come he's on, going, Kobe the Cavs. He's going to late Kobe, Kobe the Cavs. Uh, as long as the early Kobe comes first, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I'll take two titles, and you can Kobe us all you want because I'm going to enjoy watching LeBron James play as long as he plays, even when he inevitably breaks down. The fact that the best player in the NBA played for Cleveland for a long time is going to make me a very happy person, especially if he delivers multiple championships. So bring it on, LeBron. Clog up our cap all you want. Just bring us some titles. I don't care. (laughs) You're right. I'll be happy if he wins too, but. Hey man, it's, they say what's the price for a championship? Really, I mean, when it comes to, I mean, it's easy to say when it's not my money. I mean, Dan Gilbert might disagree with my assessment <laughs> of the situation, but hey man, as a fan, I just want to see him win. That's awesome. Yeah. But well, we covered a ton of ground as usual on this podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening once again. Um, a reminder: next four weeks or our first of four. Bonus edition March Madness podcast is also up on FamilyRoadSports.com. Please subscribe to us via iTunes, follow us on Twitter, and of course come back and continue to support us. We definitely appreciate that you guys are listening and uh, sharing with our uh, sports opinions. And yeah, we'll be back next week with another uh, another edition of What Are You Talking About and another bonus edition for our March Madness uh, preview and look ahead and all that fun stuff. And uh, yeah, take it easy, guys. All right, I'll see you later, Chris. All right, man. Take care.